Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Dan Snow's History. Have I got a treat for you, everybody? Yes, I do. On the 7th of July, 1795, Private John Carberry joined the 2nd Royal Tyrone Militia. He then joined the 40th Regiment of Foot in the early 19th century. This was the start of a family association with Britain's military that remains to the present day. For generations following, we think it might be a world record. Please get in touch with us on Twitter or Facebook or anywhere you want. Uh, and let me know if you think your family has had over 200 years of continuous military service. As you'll hear in this remarkable podcast with his descendant, Paul Darren, who himself served in the 1980s. There are few conflicts, and virtually not a decade in the intervening 200 years when a member of this remarkable family were not serving king or queen and country. Uh, I'm very grateful to uh, Paul Darren for getting in touch with me and bringing this, bringing this podcast to my attention. If you guys have got an amazing story, don't forget, get in touch on Twitter. I'm always on the lookout for new uh, podcast topics. And this is one that came to me and I'm absolutely thrilled that it did. Um, Paul's family are going for a Guinness Book of Records entry. They're talking to the National Army Museum in London about some kind of recognition there as well. It really is, as you'll hear, completely extraordinary. Lots of the conflicts that Paul's family have been involved in feature in documentaries on History Hit TV. We've got a digital history channel. You go to History Hit TV. Now, we've had a deal on to get people through the lockdown. It looks like it might be extended. So if you now use the code, we've got an, an even better deal now. If you use the code POD3, P-O-D-3, this offer will be available for the next few days. You'll get a month for free, and then your first three months, just one pound, euro, or dollar. So this is now four months for just three pound, euros, or dollars in all. I mean, which is going to take us to the end of the lockdown, I think. I hope. Um, so please, please. Uh, head over to History Hit TV and use the code POD3. Enjoy this podcast about Paul's illustrious family. And please get in touch if you think you've got an even longer record of service. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Now, you've got, I mean, tell me. It's got to be. Do you think your family are a record? How many generations back have you traced? Um, there's eight. I'm, I'm the ninth. So is continuously. So that's uh, every decade from 1794 up to me. Um, 
we're we're missing in the eighteen nine uh, the nineteen nineties. But apart from that, every decade, every ten years from seventeen ninety four, uh, every my ancestors have been in uniform continuously. Wow! So it's not only an unbroken chain of ancestors, but it's actually in terms of military service as well. That's extraordinary. Yeah, military service. Yeah, so it's eight monarchs continuously. So we've gone from George the Third all the way down to Elizabeth the Second. Let's go all the way back. So who's the first one that you've managed to trace? Uh, well, it's two-sided, Dan, because you've got soldiers married the daughters of soldiers. So the earliest is 1794. That's my fourth great-grandfather, uh, great-great-grandfather. He was um, in the Tyrone militia. He, came, he comes from the town of Clogger in the county of Tyrone in Northern Ireland. And he joined the, the second Tyrone militia. Um, in 1794. Now, in 1798, there was the Irish Rebellion. So he then uh, was involved at the Battle of Vinegar Hill. Um, and then with the Napoleonic Wars in 1808, February, the 7th of February 1808, they were called upon to enlist into the regular regiments of the British Army. And he went into the 40th Regiment of Foot. And what was his name? Let's give him a name. Uh, his name's John Carberry, yeah, Private John Carberry. And so where, where did he serve in the peninsula? He went across with uh, Wellington, which is uh, Wellesley then, uh, in 1808. He was at the Battle of... All the battles from uh, up to 1812. So that was Vermeera and Talavera. And then he was killed... On the 19th of March, um, he was defending, um, he was a grenadier, so, you know, he was one of the tallest lads, and uh, he was defending the earthworks around Badiho, and the French, the French attacked, and he was killed in that action, and then he had a son, his son followed on from there, on that, in, in February, actually. All right, so that's the siege of Badajoz. That okay, that that was a, a brutal, bloody siege. Okay, so the next, so the next generation. Tell me about them. So his son uh, joined in on a twenty. Um, we believe he, on his Waterloo records it says the first of January eighteen oh nine, but we've got his attestation of the twenty fourth of February, which he, we believe is his birthday um, on twenty first twenty fourth February eighteen twelve. He was he joined in Clogger again. Um, went to uh, Hull. From Hull, he went down to Portsmouth, went across, and he was in the Battle of Victoria, 1813, uh, the Battle of San Sebastian. He was wo wounded at the Battle of San Sebastian, the storming of San Sebastian. He spent 109 days in the regimental hospital. Uh, it kept him out of the next few battles, and he was at the capture of Bayonne on the 14th of April 1814. He then came back to England, was discharged because of the wounds, we believe. Uh, but then he re-enlisted when Napoleon came back for his 100 days. He enlisted into the 40th, the 2nd Battalion, transferred to the 1st Battalion, went over with Major Hayland um, and was at Waterloo. He then went, he then went from there Occupation of Paris, uh, Glasgow, where he had his first son, um, Ireland, and then on in uh, August of 1823, he sailed on HMS Castle Forbes, a guard on the convict ship to New South Wales. Then from New South Wales, he then 
uh, went on HMS Cumberland to Tasmania, and he was in Tasmania from 1825 to 1829 when the regiment was then moved to India. Um, he was in India, he died of disease in 1835 in uh, just outside Bombay. Right, so he saw he saw a huge amount of action, and and who's so the next one? The next one is well, the next one is 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 the, he, he had he had a few children. He's he had a son, which is my great great uncle, and he followed it. He, he joined the army at thirteen in the same regiment, the forty fifth regiment of foot in India, in Pune, in India. Um, the year later, on the twenty second of November, he then went into uh, as a, as a man soldier, as as a, uh, a private. Uh, he was at the capture of Karachi, uh, the, battle, uh, the first Afghan war, Battle of Maharajapur, and he went all the way to, uh, came back, went to India, and he died of disease in uh, in Ireland, in Dublin, uh, Richmond Barracks in 18, he was a sergeant, Sergeant John Carberry, uh, in 1849. Now his daughter, now John Carberry was at Waterloo, his daughter married my third great-grandfather, and that's where the lines join. So my third great-grandfather was Joseph Darren, the same name as me. Um, and his father was uh, joined the Marines in uh, the 19th of December, 1811. Um, he was a whitesmith by trade. Uh, in January 1812, he was on board HMS Prince of Wales, the second-rate 98-gun, and was with... Uh, they sailed to the Mediterranean with HMS Caledonia, HMS Boyne, under Sir Edward, uh, Edward Pellew. Um, he was at Port Mahon, and then they were, um, they stormed the fortress of Cassis in 1813, and he was in the capture of Geneva. He came back, he was on the ship for two and a half years, two years, six months, uh, came back on shore, and with the reduction of the army in 1814, he st because he was a whitesmith, he stayed behind and was made, became the armourer of the 1st Division Royal Marines. He taught his son that trade, and his son, in 1840, joined the 40th Regiment of Foot. OK, so his son joined his grandfather's regiment. No, no, so his son, his son is Joseph Darren, so you've got... You, this is where it's confusing. So you've got Marianne Carberry, who's the Carberries that came down from Waterloo. They were in India. They were in the 40th as well. Yeah. So, but his son, so his son, their son, joined the same regiment that her dad had been in. Yeah. That's so keeping it all in the family. All right. So what? Talk, tell me about what's the son called now? So the son's called Joseph Darren. So you've got Marine Sergeant uh, Joseph Darren, who was uh, the uh, the first division Royal Marines that, that stormed the fortress of Cassis. Um, he, he taught his son to be an armourer because it was his only son. His other two children had died. So as the armourer of the First Division Royal Marines, from a young age, he taught his son to be an armourer. So in 1840, his son joins the army into the 40th Regiment of Foot. And on the 16th of May, 1840, he's, he's sent to um, India on HMS Dartmouth. Um, he arrives in September. He's then with my great uncle, so you've got Joseph Darren and John Carberry, both sergeants, one armour sergeant, one sergeant, they go into Afghanistan, first Afghan war, about the Maharajapur. So the daughter of John Carberry marries Joseph Darren in India, in Marat, in 1843. Uh, and they stay, 
so that generation comes down. So they joined the two the two families joined together, the Carberries and the Darrens joined together by marriage. From there, they go to they come back to England. They go to Ireland in 1847. Um, in 1852, Joseph Darren and Marianne Carberry, with their children, go to sail on HMS Vulcan to New South Wales. No, no, Victoria actually to Victoria in uh, with the new with the discovery of uh, the gold in uh, um, Ballarat, and he's in charge of um, uh, he's in, literally in charge of of uh, quartering the troops. And then he's put in charge of, of building, in charge of public works of building uh, Victoria Barracks. So the 40th built D, uh, D, D block of Victoria Barracks. And he was actually in charge of, maybe because he was an armourer, maybe because he used a forge, I don't know why, but he was actually put in, it's actually in the, the Victoria Gazette, he's put into, in charge of uh, building Victoria Barracks. In 1860, they moved to New Zealand the Second Maori War and he's in the Second Maori War and 1862 he leaves. Now he had a son which is my second great-grandfather and he joins a completely different regiment. Okay he's branching out now. And so he branches out so he goes into the 30s Kents. Um, he's in the militia before that he's in he, for some reason he's down in he's down in Somerset and he's um, he joins the uh, Somerset Light Infantry Militia in the 1870s and then in the 1880s 1887 he goes into the third east kent and he's stationed down in uh canterbury and they he, he doesn't go overseas he's been overseas with his father all of his life but he doesn't go overseas he's a sergeant and he he, he literally trains he's in e, e company uh, uh the third east kent so um that's my second great-grandfather, and he's the only one that stays, even though he, he, he travelled the world with his father, he's the only one that didn't see any action or didn't see any service. Okay, so he's, a, he's an un, a one-off, he's an outlier. He's, he's, yeah, yeah. He served, but he, he, and he, he did quite well. He's, he, he went up in the ranks really fast, um, but he, he stayed at home. Um, but he had a son, which is my great-grandfather, and my great-grandfather first joins the 30s Kents in 1889. He joins his dad's regiment, but transfers to the newly formed Army Service Corps, um, which was formed in, uh, he joins in March 1899. I think they would, they, they would only, only because they, it, the Army Service Corps was changed from the Wagoners to, uh, and it was actually formed into the, what is now, what was then the Army Service Corps. He was good with horses for some reason. Um, I don't know if it's all related to a forge, blacksmiths, horses, I don't know. Um, but he he then goes uh, into the Army Service Corps and in, in, 18, in 1900 um, he goes to South Africa on SS Persia with the Army Service Corps and he's attached as a driver because they're short drivers, he's attached to the 13th Royal Field Artillery and he fights the actions in South Africa, which is a battle of Land's Neck. He's with Buller. He travel he's with Buller most of the time all the way up to um up to Land's Neck and then um when the 13th Field Regiment get posted to India he goes back to the Army Service Corps and he stays there to February 1802, uh, 1902, and then he, 
He stays, stays in the regular, he stays in the regular army. You know, SS Persia, I've, I've got a feeling that it was a very famous ship that was sunk during the First World War, wasn't it? I think it was, yeah. I, I think you're right, Dan. When I was, when I was uh, going through the embarkation returns and stuff, and I was looking at the ship, I believe it was. Yeah, I, I do believe so. There's some mad story around the, the woman who's on the front of the Rolls Royce was either on it or was saved from it or died on it. Anyway, I'll have to look that one up. So he comes back in one piece from the Boer War. He does indeed, yeah. Um, um, he gets his second good conduct stripe there. Um, he does really well. And then in 1915, uh, in 1914, when the war starts, in 1915, he's attached to the Royal Naval Division, a 279 Company uh, Army Service Corps, attached to the Royal Naval Division, and they sail on uh, SS Minitonka to Egypt. Um, from there, he goes on to Gallipoli. He's 42 when he's on Gallipoli. He gets his third uh, good conduct strike as well. Um, he's on he's on Gallipoli. He then comes back after Gallipoli. He's back in Egypt, and he's uh, transferred to the 53rd Welsh Division. And then he's attached to the Camel Brigade for a while, um, for four months. And then from there, he goes back to the 53rd Division and he's, he's attached to the first of the first the Royal Welsh uh, Field Ambulance as a driver. And yeah, he goes in the Palestine campaign. So he, he goes all the way through the Palestine campaign of 1917. And then he gets malaria in 1918, in October 1918. He's actually in a field hospital in, uh, in Jerusalem. Um, and then he, he comes back in 19, uh, 1919. He's, he's back here. He leaves the army in uh, August, the 26th of August, 1919, um, and retires. He, he must have. He, I think he did something in the Second World War because he has he has another medal. Uh, he has the uh, the defence medal for some reason. We don't we don't know what that's for though. We we're really trying to find out what what that's for. Oh, if you find out, let me know. That's an extraordinary career. Boer War, First World War, and Second World War. That's that. Well, anyone, let me know. Um, tweet me or send me an email if, there's, if anyone can find anyone who's served in all three has medals from all three conflicts. That's extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, we have we've got we've got we've got everything. We've actually got all the documentation, all the photographs. We've got hundreds of these postcards that go back hundreds of years, not hundreds of years, hundred years before 1900. We don't know where. It's just a whole stack of these postcards. Nothing written on them, and they're all from. We've got some from Aqaba. You know, some from Egypt, some from all over the place, and they're, they're all originals. Um, so Arthur Joseph Darren, that is, that's my great grandfather. So he had three sons. So the first son is my great uncle, um, and he's uh, Arthur Richard, and he joins Ganges, St. James Ganges, in 19, uh, 1909 as a boy. And he serves, uh, he's two years in Ganges and enough 12 years in uh, as an able seaman. All the way through, and he's at the Battle of Dogger Bank, and uh, at the end of the war, he's actually I've got photographs of him because he goes to the Mediterranean, and on the ship he's on HMS Humber, he's um, blockading Aqaba uh, after Aqaba's been captured, of course. And then um, he, there's a photograph. He sees his father, and there's a photo of him, both of them together. Um, so his father's in the army, and he's in the, his son's in the navy, and they have a photograph together. And, um, he's in, after that, he's, he's sent to the Baltic Sea at uh, the Russian Revolution. So uh, he's, he, there's stories that we've got that he, uh, they rescued uh, a part of the Russian royal family. Uh, they took it off, I think it's in Latvia, they took, they took them off on a ship. 
So that's my great uncle. Then you've got my grandfather. The fathers, the fathers of the fathers, they don't stop their children joining the army. So my grandfather, who joined the army in uh, 15, lied about his age, said he was 17, joined just a, uh, he joined a, a territorial regiment, which is uh, the 6th Battalion, the Middlesex. So when he gets to 16, he enlists into the 1st Battalion Royal Welsh Fusiliers, because my, grand, my grandmother is Welsh. Uh, my great-grandmother is Welsh. So he joins the 1st Battalion Royal Welsh Fusiliers. And then he's, he goes to Ireland, Malta, comes back, and then he's in, they're attached to the 7th Division. And he, he's at the 1st Battle of Ypres, and he's, he's wounded and captured at Ypres, um, sent to a, a prison camp at an awful time. The camp they sent him to first, he was forced into it. They were forced into uh, coal mines and they were, they, they were, they were regular army. So they were being a bit stubborn and they refused to go in. So they were, they were kept in the cold, uh, literally made to stand in the freezing cold. Um, and then someone told them it was warmer underground. So <laughs> that's the story that we've got. So he was down the mine and then as, there was one German guard who was uh, picking on another soldier and he defended him and he got his face bashed in he half of his face was scarred where the german guard beat him um he came back in the 2nd of december 1918 nine, yeah 1918 stayed into the royal world fusiliers till 23 and then transfers to he joins the ta in 24 um the 6th battalion essex stays with the 6th battalion essex all the way through the inner war years up to 38 and then called to full-time military service and he's the 6th battalion the essex becomes a searchlight regiment so he's with that and then there's an incident in 1940 he gets put on his records it gets burnt really bad we don't know why um he's he's up in um norfolk but he gets burnt extremely badly um and then he's put in hospital when he comes out he's transferred to the fourth um uh, light aircraft and he stays there all the way through the war. So he leaves. He joins in 1911 and he leaves um, in June 1945. And then there's my, my other, my youngest boy, the great uncle. He, he's, he's got the, one of the most interesting. Um, he joins the Navy, Ganges, 1918, February 1918. And he goes all the way through. And then he, in the early 20s, he goes to HMS Dolphin and becomes uh, uh, on submarines. So he's on the L-16, the H-49, the L-16, the L-18. Um, he's on the Repulse and on the World Tour of 1923. Um, and then the Second World War comes. Um, he's on Brilliant at Dunkirk, HMS Brilliant, which we've got photographs of, of him on there. Um, and then in 42, he's put on HMS Poppy. And he's at PQ-17. And then he's at uh, Normandy uh, with the Royal Navy there. Um, uh, Uncle Charlie, Charlie Darren, um, um, and he, he leaves in 45, ends up working for Shell, goes to America, um, lives in his older years. He died in 2000, Dan, 98 years of age. They all lived to a long, they all lived to an old age. There's not one of them that dies young. They all lived to a very long age. Hi, I'm Matt Lewis, historian and host of a new chapter of the Echoes of History podcast. If you're an Assassin's Creed fan, and like me, want to be prepared for the launch of Assassin's Creed Shadows later this year, join us 
on Echoes of History as we head to feudal Japan to explore the real-life history that inspired the latest game from this legendary franchise. Learn about Yasuke, the African warrior who entered the trusted circle of Japan's most powerful warlord. Hear accounts of cultures colliding when Portuguese missionaries landed on Japanese shores and follow Japan's journey through years of division and bitter warfare to unification at the dawn of the modern era. Make sure you catch every episode by following Echoes of History, a Ubisoft podcast brought to you by History Hit, wherever you get your podcasts. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. All right, let's get to your dad. So it's, it's my uncles, not my dad. It's my, it's, yeah, it's my uncles because... Um, I'm the son, my mum, my father left when I was two, so I'm the son of, I'm the grandson of Frederick George Darren, which is the one who served in, um, my, I've got my, my father, my grandfather's name, my mum's name, uh, my father left when I was two years of age, um, and we didn't see him, and I was brought up, see all these stories, I was, I was taught by the women of the family, not the men. I was taught by the women. It was the women that told me. I was eight years of age, and my aunt was ill, and uh, I used to have to take. She had to stay in the house, and uh, I used to have to take shopping round for her every day after school. And uh, she'd give me a, a slice of Swiss roll, and she would. There was photographs on the wall. Of my grandpa. And she would tell me all these stories about India, about the Boer War, and that's that's how I first started learning about all this. And it was after I went into the army at uh, 17, when I came out, uh, they, 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 she died a, a year later. Um, she was really, uh, she was more ill than I, I knew. I was only a kid, so I didn't know. But uh, the story stuck with me, and it was because of that, that when I came out of the army, I decided to research the whole of the family. So wait, we got that, but the, your, your, so your uncles, they were after the war, were they? No, 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 my... my well, you could say, I suppose, it's the end, near the end of the war. My uncle, Arthur, Joseph Darren, um, he uh, went in in April 45. Uh, he was sent to Egypt. Um, he was with the 51st uh, Training Regiment, RA. He was on self-propelled guns. And then he was sent to the Meds in uh, end of 45 uh, to guard, which is ironic, really, to guard Africa Corps 
um, prisoner of war. So his father was a prisoner of war to the Germans, and his and 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 his son was guarding German prisoner of war. Um, and then he was his job was to transport. They were transporting them to um, through Palestine to to what is Tel Aviv, and then across to Cyprus to build the camps there, you know, because you've got um, the, the Jewish refugees coming from, from the, they built the camps on Cyprus. And he was actually in, in Israel when it was created. He actually, in 1947, um, he was actually there when it was, uh, so he did, he was a sergeant as well, and he came out. And then my other uncle, um, he didn't have a, a very interesting, he was a corporal, he was a batman to an officer. Uh, and he spent three years only. Um, and then my cousin, my cousin, he, their son, my cousin, joined the army in 1966. And he was just stationed at Salisbury, he came out in 71. And I joined in 80, the 4th of November 1980, because of the influence of the family. And then I went to Germany, I was in Canada, um, mainly Cold War, they call it now, don't they? So, uh, and, and I, I didn't have a, a very exciting uh, career, but I did six years. I came out, then I went on reserve, and then um, I went back again in 2012 as an instructor um, and I, in London District, and I taught uh, until 16. Um, I have diabetes now, Dan, so um, I couldn't, uh, and I was getting older. And, and, yeah, and that happens to all of us, buddy. And I've got to ask, what is is there another generation behind you? Um, there could be, yeah. Um, we have a, 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 a nephew, a boy. He, he came down to, because, you know, who do you think you are, did the magazine. I took him to the photo shoot. He's joining cadets. He's coming of age uh, uh, in December of 12, and he, he's itching to join cadets. He's really itching. So uh, he knows the family, and he's, he's the only one to actually... My son as uh, Crohn's disease, so there's no way he can join. And he's studying at Brighton University. Uh, and uh, my daughter works for the courts. So um, there is there is always a one member that's, that, that pops up, that, that itchy, that's itching to do it. You know, we hear a lot about the effect of combat, of service. Um, it, can, it can lead to mental health problems. It, it can lead to, but it also can lead to positive mental health outcomes in your family when when people were talking about it did all these people were they all glad that they'd served or did some of them regret it some of them bad experiences no 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 looking through the records i found actually i found with my third great-grandfather when he came out of after the maori war on his records it says he has palpitations of the art uh, from long service but, and, and he has, they said he has heart problems, but he lived to 1899. So I don't, we, me and my cousins would, would go, we don't, we believed he had post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, he was at the Battle of Maharajpur. That was a frontal attack. He was in Afghan, the first Afghan war. They marched miles. They never had the transport that they have today, you know, and he lived to 1899. Now, if he had an heart disease in the 1860s, I don't believe he would have lived all the way to 1899. We believe that he had some form of post-traumatic stress disorder with the palpitations, uh, exhaustion, literally. Um, and same with my grandfather. My grandfather um, was the most kindest individual. He never ate his children, but 
I think he, my nan bought some black bread one day um, in the 1930s and she had it on the table and he threw it through the window. He'd never been angry, he didn't eat his children, he wasn't violent to his children, but he wouldn't eat black bread because as a prisoner of war he was given porridge made of grass, um, coffee made of acorns and black bread and he, he just couldn't, it just, I don't know if it brought back memories or what, but that was the only time he actually got aggressive in that, but there are, there's this, you know, um, we're f fully aware of, you know, I've sat down, my cousin's putting a book together with this, he's a grammar school boy, his literacy is absolutely fabulous, so I've been doing the research and we've been going down to Kew quite a lot and being um, the Orient, uh, British Library to the Oriental Indian Office uh, and getting all the documents together and putting it together. So each generation will tell the next ones that it's worth doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, we, we, they, there's so much, when, when we're told stories, we're told stories in, in a way of, you know, my greatest grandfather, the one that was a Marine, couldn't read or write. It was the army, that it was the Royal Marines that taught his son to read. It was the Royal Marines that gave him a pension before pensions were even uh, out in, to civilians. You know, the education system in the army, all, all my grandfathers going back went to school, army school, and, and their, their children were educated. So there's the downside of, of the wars, you know, the suffering that goes, but there's also the other side of it is, is the army looked after our family and educated the children. Every single one, or nearly, nearly every single birth in my family is an army chaplain return. They all were baptised by army chaplains within the regimental records. When you go online and you look up our names, Carberries and Darrens, there's just rows of children born of army chaplain returns all around the world. We have no, if so, when people say to me, where does your family come from, Dan? And they say, what county do they come from or what part of Britain? It's really hard to, to answer because they were born in Tasmania. They were born in India. They were born all over the place. They wasn't in one county. They, we, can't, we haven't got a fixed borough for way. We are not an East End. We're not East Enders and we're not Northerners. We're not Welsh and we're not Scottish. We are, we, we just have moved around so much that um, we're just British, really. We are British. We, we have no, you know, someone said to me, did, you know, as a joke once, your family don't have a coat of arms, you just have battle on us, just as a, as a crack. Um, you know, we was in one regiment from 1808 until 1862. That's a long time. Well, when the book comes out, let me know and I'll make sure all the people on the podcast hear of it. Um, and thank you for sharing that extraordinary story. And if there's anyone listening to this that thinks they can match that, I will definitely have them on the podcast. That is that is that is remarkable. And uh, and yeah, let us know what that little nephew of yours decides to do. Well, he's he's itching. He's a bit scared. He, well, he is a bit scared. It's a bit like um, well, I was. I was a bit scared. You know, it's a bit like the opening scene of The Four Feathers, you know, when you're walking up, the, st the young lad's walking up the stairs and there's all his ancestors behind him and it's like, am I going to, am I going to be good enough sort of thing? Uh, and he said that to me already, actually, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a bit, 
But um, once you get in there, once you get into it, once you just follow orders and do as you're told and uh, keep your kit clean and stuff, um, it's not that hard, really. It's a good crack. It's a good laugh. It's a good laugh. So thank you very much for coming on the podcast, Paul. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Hi everyone, it's me, Dan Snow. Just a quick request. It's so annoying and I hate it when other podcasts do this, but now I'm doing it and I hate myself. Please, please go onto iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five-star rating and a review. It really helps, basically boosts up the chart, which is good. And then more people listen, which is nice. So if you could do that, I'd be very grateful. I understand if you don't subscribe to my TV channel. I understand if you don't buy my calendar, but this is free. Come on, do me a favor. Thanks. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dan Snow's History. Please follow this show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and you'll be doing us a big favor. Don't forget, you can also listen to all of these podcasts ad-free and watch hundreds of TV documentaries when you subscribe at historyhit.com slash subscribe as a special gift. You can also get your first three months for just one pound a month when you use code Dan Snow at checkout.